Pharma Ventures, the deal experts. Hello and welcome to this special edition of Pharma Ventures podcast. 2022, we're at the end and uh, what a momentous year. It's been seeing some significant macroeconomic events uh, which have impacted globally. But within the pharmaceutical industry and biotechnology industries, what does that mean? What's happened? Uh, and how's it going to impact on 2023? Joining me on the show today is Finton Walton, CEO and founder of Pharma Ventures. Finton, welcome. Great to be here, Adrian. Okay, well, um, like I said, momentous year. What's that done with the trends? We look at trends, particularly in licensing M&A and fundraising at Pharma Ventures. Um, how have those major events Putin's war, back of COVID, we know that, that ended and we all thought things were, were going to get better. What are the trends? So the trends can be broken down to events like COVID and obviously the invasion of Ukraine because they had an economic impact in both those cases. For example, in the economic side, we've now got, we're in a situation where we're entering a recession. We've got high inflation and that changes the way the behavior of companies, how they invest, how they, their level of risk they're prepared to carry. So th- what happened this year has changed the perception of risk and what companies are prepared to do in a risk, high-risk environment. So that changes. But the other thing that's happened as well is underlying changes that are occurring within the pharmaceutical industry and the pharmaceutical sector. And in particular, it's the changes in the areas of regulation. Those areas of regulation include... The clinical regulation, in other words, how drugs are approved, the likelihood of drugs being approved, the likelihood of getting price and getting reimbursed, and also how regulatory authorities will allow drugs, how quick they allow drugs to go through into clinic and eventually onto the market. So there, there is a changing environment beyond just the macroeconomic, which, which we're all affected by. But the industry itself has got these new changes going on. So there's, there's major external factors the war, COVID, etc., and there are internal industry factors, all of which have to be accommodated. There's a, there's a general regulatory tightening, and we can see that in the European Union, for an example, around orphan drugs. Um, and also there is a, a, you know, a reduced, they're reducing the amount of time of market um, exclusivity, for an example, for, for drugs like orphan, orphan-based drugs. So that, that changes things. And then the other type of regulation I, I mentioned earlier was around uh, things like mergers and acquisitions. So the, the environment within uh, the US, for an example, around um, the, the, the FTC, for an example, um, is making it more difficult for major pharma companies to do uh, acquisitions. Obviously, in the past, there were a lot of major pharma companies merging with, with other major companies. Now there are greater they're looking at further regulations, which will restrict their ability even for a major pharma company to buy a biotech company. So these are the types of trends that are occurring, have been occurring over the last couple of years, on top of the macroeconomic um, uh, environment which you described. We know pharma are typically risk averse. They they're conservative and they don't like change. Does that mean they're even more risk averse now, and it's going to make things? make it harder for them, them to do deals or for people to get, get deals done? In a sense, yes. But, but the, the game of risk is about understanding where risk resides. Once you, know, once you understand the landscape, once you understand basically the rules of the game, the pharmaceutical, taking a drug all the way to clinical development, getting it on the market, getting the right price, you can reduce that risk. Of course, there is a greater resist. There are greater obstacles in, in front of us. But if you understand those changes... And you can then relay those back to your clinical development program, then you are immediately de-risking. So knowledge 
around the changes in the in the environment around you helps you to de-risk the clinical development programs that you're going to take forward. So you can't act in isolation and just believe you've got the best drug or the best uh, mechanism and and plough forward and expect pharma to pick it up. You've, you've got to look at the whole context. And, and it's really important. I mean, the pharmaceutical industry would prefer things to be really stable and nothing would ever change. But there are political and social economic reasons for change, particularly around things like pricing and reimbursement. So it takes time to take a drug through clinical development. And in that time, things can change. What seemed to be a great drug in preclinical or in phase one may not be a great drug when it gets to phase three. So these are the challenges, not just for major pharma companies, but for all those startup companies, those, those companies that are moving from small cap to larger cap. Those things are changing in front of them. So how you develop your product strategy, how you develop your partnering strategy if you're a biotech company, all of those things are really important, understanding what's going on. And those things have happened in the last few years and have had an impact on 2022. And is it the same for, for the investors as well? Because we saw 2020, 2021 were record years for investment. Um, uh, are they, they applying the same sort of risk aversion as, as, as the buyers at the other end? Well, it's interesting. Uh, in, in, we, we're all now familiar, hopefully, about what happened with um, in the IPO market, for an example. Right. In the last few years, the IPO market has boomed, basically. It, it went from pretty low numbers around 50 in 2019 and then rose to 2021 to about 154. And then this year, we're barely entering double digits. We're around 10 or thereabouts. And so we've had a huge impact on the public markets. And that, interestingly, is reflected on two things. One is the boom that we had. And, 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 but then once a, a risk change that we just discussed from an investor's point of view, suddenly what looked like a great opportunity uh, in 2020 and 2021, in the context of 2022, this, this, is, this, this particular investment now becomes incredibly risky. And so then we had a crash in the biotech, uh, Nasdaq biotech index, for an example. But interestingly, it's the small cap biotech that had the dramatic changes. They're the ones that actually declined by about 80% over the last couple of years in terms of value. So we, we, know, we know that. We see this at Pharma Ventures. We've seen companies that managed to get away on, on an IPO last year with, uh, with lots of money in it and now basically run out of money and now they're struggling. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? We'll, we'll see. But. Well, I mean, there, there are those that say this is a, this is a cycle and uh, driven by certain events, and sometimes they get um, exacerbated by by more global events. Um, and but does it serve to eliminate the the lower quality uh, assets and companies um, and 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 really help the ones that are that are better? Is is that what's going on? The key word there that you mentioned is quality. And uh, when we when we look at this, and I've got, it's, it's quality against risk, uh, basically quality in the context of risk. So when when it's a perceived low risk, investors and even companies who are partnering will tend to take a high risk or are willing to accept a high risk. When ch things change, quality becomes really important. But we all know that quality is in the end the only winner. And for precisely the reasons that we've just discussed, because you have these obstacles in front of you, you have the, the regulatory hurdles, the changing regulatory environment, both in mergers and acquisitions and also just drug approvals. We have a changing um, situation in the US, for an example, the inflation 
Reduction Act, for an example, that was passed by the Biden government. It's a big bill, covers climate change and so forth, but it also has a piece on uh, pricing uh, for drugs, particularly through the Medicare system. And uh, a lot of pharmaceutical companies are not happy with that because it means that uh, some of the drugs that they currently have on the market, currently on the market, will have a price, will have a price haircut, potentially. Um, the government, US government is saying it's probably only about 15 drugs. Uh, some of the major pharma companies are saying we're actually axing 15 drugs that are going to clinical development so far with this uh, Inflation Reduction Act. So there is, that's another unsettling of the, of the environment. But that also reflects back on the biotech companies. The biotech companies that have been originally funded by, by VCs have to take into context how pharma are vis um, um, visualized their products. And so in some ways, these changes shifts the, the, our understanding of what a quality asset is. Right. So does, does quality, and I'm being simplistic here, does quality equate in the eyes of an investor to, I can see an exit and it's not an IPO anymore, or is it? Is that coming back? Um, or is quality, as you, know, you, you and I, ex-scientists, would say, it's, it's the, the, the thing with the best mechanism of action that, that actually has a, the best chance of uh, bringing about a cure for a patient? Or, or are they all interconnected? They, the, the quick answer is, of course, they're all interconnected because if you have one of those is weak, you don't, the, the quality deteriorates. But I suppose another thing which we can see, in the, going back to trending, is uh, I just mentioned that the Nasdaq, you know, obviously had a, a was very volatile recently. It's dropped down in, in in June of this year by um, a considerable amount. I think it was about thirty five percent. It's since bounced back up again. And I mentioned that the the real uh, changes have been actually in the the most dramatic changes being the small cap because they're considered to be high risk. Now, if we go back to private. Uh, investment, looking at pre-money and post-money valuations, we see a difference between Series A and Series B funding. What we have seen is that Series A has flatlined basically over the last few years and continues into 22 as a flatline. And this is the amount of money raised. The amount of money raised in Series B is actually increasing. And what we do see is there's a correlation between Series A and Series B against, guess what, the drug development. In other words, the risk profile of the drug and also the risk profile of the company that's taking that drug through. So obviously, a company that's got has had already um, Series A funding has brought in a new set of investors. Often, they're more likely to be institutional investors. When we get to Series B, we're following, we're having more follow-ons and so forth. And the management of the company and the quality of the assets have been tested. And so there is a better degree of confidence around those those more mature assets, both in terms of company and in terms of product itself. This is all very interesting because it means that, of course, in the, in, in the world of, of the public markets, which sometimes overreact to, to the, these macroeconomic uh, uh, events that we've just discussed at the very beginning. But then we focus back to our own industry, to the pharmaceutical industry itself. And you, you can see that we've got some very informed investors, careful players, who are still backing companies on, a, on a particularly ones at a Series B level, because they're taking a longer view. It also means that there is a likelihood, more greater likelihood, that we'll see the IPO market come back, probably even in the in the short term. 
There are some experts out there suggesting that the IPO market could return as soon as the second half of 2023. There's a, a degree of speculation around that, but the most likely a sector that's going to benefit from that is energy for obvious reasons, post-Putin and, and so forth, or uh, Ukraine. But uh, behind that or coming alongside that is, of course, the, 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 the pharma and healthcare sector, which is a long-term sustainable sector in the end. And so in the end, even though we have all these uh, trends and, and, and influences, there's an underlying trend here, that we, which, which is a navigatable one. But it's all about, as we discussed, understanding quality and understanding risk and how you manage that. I, I guess for the, the, uh, the, the smaller biotech out there who's, who's looking to bring in more investment, develop their asset, that navigation is, is key. How, how do you navigate and how do you gain the knowledge that you need to understand the environment so you can best navigate and give yourself the best chance of, of uh, getting that Series B and going onwards and upwards and, and, and a trade sale or an IPO? It is, that's the question. How do, they, how do they navigate it? Well, you know, everything that we've just talked about is a marketplace. It's a marketplace in terms of macroeconomics and how, the, how that influences. It's about a marketplace in which transactions occur. Our confidence in the, in the quality and the ability is reflected in how transactions occur. And it's a bit like a, um, a, um, a competition where judges put their finger, you know, the, the thumbs up or the thumbs down. They put their thumbs down on poor quality products or poor quality companies. And they put their thumbs up, obviously, for, for good quality ones. In other words, the sustainable part to all of this is, the, is, is going back to this, thing, this element of quality and risk. Can we, we uh, put a bit of granularity on what we mean by quality? Is, is that possible? Well, it's an interesting question. Because if you go to um, the European Union right now, the EMA, they're challenging what they want to have more, they want to be convinced what is really a truly an unmet clinical need. So a lot of this is around definition and understanding of the disease itself. So we're going back down to, to uh, the disease and its impact on, on the cost of, of healthcare. So we're back to this uh, other podcast that you had with with You're thinking in pricing now. Yeah, and, pricing and reimbursement market access, and market yeah. access. Because these are the challenges um, that we need to understand. These, these, we need to understand, again, going back to the rules and regulations. If you want to play the game, know the rules and regulations and play that, and play that well. So understanding, you know, how do you define a good quality asset is to, to test it against these obstacles. Can it, you know, equality is, is defined as I would, I would put forward. Equality is something that can be sustainable and actually obviously um, provide a commercial return. That's what we're ultimately talking about. But of course, we like to talk about improving the healthcare of patients or the outcomes of patients and disease, and they're both related. And if anything that pricing reimbursement is doing is that making sure that, that it, they are connected. There is a connection between the ability to take innovation through uh, clinical development and then satisfy the requirements for um, overcoming um, the issues of, of unmet clinical need and so forth and getting those definitions right. And so in a, in a way what we're doing here is through conversation and, and, and discussion, 
not just amongst ourselves, but amongst the regulatory authorities. And understanding that is really important. But it comes back to a very important point, which is a, a lot of innovation occurs with amongst biotech companies who are looking to outlicense their products. What we find, I think, at Pharma Ventures quite commonly is that the companies themselves have not really thought about it. It goes back to the point you just made, that this looks like a great piece of science because it's, you know, it's a new novel molecule, it's, it's a different mechanism of action than anybody else has had before. But we have to look at this in the context, again, of the, the commercial reality, basically. And that commercial reality is, can you get this drug through the various regulatory hurdles and the various pricing and reimbursement market access hurdles and actually end, end up having a product that actually satisfies the two things. One is, is, is addressing the, uh, the clinical need or un, uh, unmet need and also getting the right price and making sure that the investment was worth the investment in the first place. Right. So that that's quite a clear picture of what we mean by quality and it's it's in the past um, it, it was i've got great science this this is it has a better mechanism big farmer will figure out all the commercial and the regulatory stuff that's no longer the case if you're a small biotech and whether you're pitching to an investor or a, a farmer you've got to have the whole package there uh, and that in the context of the landscape and that defines you as a quality asset or a better quality asset than than your competitor I think, and I think that, you know, Pharma Ventures has been around 30 years. We, we've seen it and we can see where these changes are. So even Pharma Ventures has changed in the way it advises its clients, both in terms of how you determine the value of an asset that you may want to transact with another party, either, with, either in, a, in, a, in an asset sale or in an acquisition or in the context of fundraising or in the context of partnering. But that, that understand that value and we'll have another podcast on valuation um, going out shortly, is, is determined by a number of different parameters. And if you don't understand those parameters, and I would say the Farm Ventures, we do understand those parameters, we challenge those par parameters, we make sure we understand them, and we make sure that the, our clients are better equipped in their discussions and negotiations with a pharma company. And that goes back to the point you made, which is don't assume that the pharma company knows all the answers. It should do. Of course it should do. But it doesn't have the resources to do that. It's, it, it's, it's running a tight... It, it runs, pharma companies run on budgets. And there isn't a huge department there sitting there waiting for the next uh, analysis of an in-licensing in product. You have to help that pharma company to see what the opportunity is. And that's testing it. And... At Pharma Ventures, I think we do a lot of that. We help them test what the opportunity is so they can best articulate that back to the pharma company when they meet, go, go there and, and meet with them. Sometimes it's too late when they come to us on that. Right. It's just a bad asset and, and it's not ready. But making sure that you've got the story right around the assets you're taking forward into, into, the, into from preclinical into clinical and beyond, you need to really understand the environment. Right. And every bit that is missing, the ratchets it up a risk for pharma. And if the quality isn't there, your chance of getting a deal goes down. And it goes back to the question, the point you made earlier, Adrian, is that pharma companies are risk averse. Mm -hmm. If you don't help to address the issues of risk, and, and I said earlier myself, it's navigating risk, is, is giving comfort, not just to yourselves 
as an executive within the organization and the investors, but also giving confidence to a future partner that you truly understand what this asset is to the point where you've tested enough to say, yes, this is a quality product. So we talked quite a bit there about what happened this year in 2022 and, and what defines uh, good quality assets and companies going forward. Let's look forward. What about 2023? Are we going to see more of the same or are thing, things going to change again and we ought to be ready for it? You know, it's when, when we reach what appears to be the bottom, there's only one way you can go and that's <laughs> up. And, 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 and I, I really genuinely mean that because... I think that we what what recessions do and downturns do is they do reveal the difference between a good quality product and a poor quality product because I think all 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 attempts are good are attempts of quality. So there's there is a clear out. There will be a clear out, and people are going to get stung. They already have been stung. They, they those companies that were very very proud of the fact that they IPO'd in the last couple of years, um, literally nearly three hundred of them. Um, some of those, not all of them, will, will, will suffer and, uh, because they weren't that quality. They didn't have that quality. And, 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 and a lot of that's to do with risk. Some of these, some of these companies had early, too early stage. They were, they were doing an IPO with, with products that were too early, preclinical stage. So I think we're, what's going to happen in 2023 is we're going to see improved quality products because the management that own or manage those assets are ensuring that those, those assets are of a higher quality. So if, if Series B, for example I mentioned earlier, Series B funding is, is still strong and the people are getting high valuations. And by the way, on, uh, although licensing deals have dropped, the upfront payments and milestone payments are going up. So what we're seeing here is actually a reflection of quality. So we're going to get the rewards of this. Because the only way this industry is ever going to go in the right direction is that we are all backing quality assets in a, in a, in a, in a general way. So I think we'll have, a, we'll have yes, some, some of the biotech companies, some of them will go to the wall. Uh, a number of them which have got good quality assets will go forward and there will be future funder, funding rounds for them. So, for example, Series D and Series C and Series D, for an example, we'll see. We we expect that funding cycle to continue. We probably will not see the IPO market return in 2023. If it is, it's going to be late 2023. So, it's a lot of the focus is going to be on private uh, funding. Series B, Series C, Series D. I think Series A might be difficult. Um, and also, what we can expect is that we're going to see good deals being done around good quality assets. So I, I would expect to see some return in, in the number of licensing deals that are out there as perception of risk changes. In other words, companies will are prepared to take a bit more risk because confidence comes back into the market, which we, which we all believe will happen. Um, obviously, that's all reflected in what happens in the macroeconomic um, uh, scenario and, and what happens in China, for an example, in terms of the COVID restrictions being released recently. That might, might drive the economy up in, in, in China if, if, if Putin gets, becomes more rational and, and, and behaves more rationally, um, then we can see greater confidence coming back. Um, and that confidence will change and 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 there we, we can expect 
uh, an improvement both in terms of mergers and acquisitions and fundraising and in licensing. So not all bleak, as you said, we're, we're looking up now and looking at uh, things getting better. If you're a biotech and you're thinking 2023 is the year I, I need to do a deal or I want to do a deal, if you want to ride that wave, position yourself as a quality asset and to do that, understand the landscape, understand the regulations, and as you said, Fintan, test yourself against those and gain as much knowledge of the environment as you can. So when you present to an investor or a farmer, you're at least in the best position you could possibly be in to get that deal. Exactly. And guess what? I think Farmer Ventures can help people to do that. Well, we've been doing it for 30 years through ups and downs, so a uh, long way that continue. Fintan, thank you again for your uh, for your insight. It's been valuable. And uh, let's look forward to that uh, improvement in, in 2023. As ever, if you want to listen to other podcasts from Pharma Ventures, head over to www.pharmaventures.com slash podcasts. And for more information about all the services Pharma Ventures offer, head to www.pharmaventures.com. Pharma Ventures, the deal experts.